netcasting from Chicago, Los Angeles, and Sydney. You're listening to this week's FX Podcast from fxguide.com. Hello, and welcome to the FX Podcast. I'm John Montgomery. Our guest this week is Chris Nichols from Chaos. He's been a longtime friend of FX Guide and FX PhD. We're really happy to have him back again on the FX Podcast. He's going to be speaking next week as part of the Real-Time Conference 2022. And once again, that conference is fully virtual, fully online. It's taking place from November 7th through the 9th. You can sign up for it online, free of charge, at realtime.community. Be sure to have a link to that in the FX Guide article. Uh, so you can watch all the presentations from the comfort of your home and or office. I'm going to keep the intro short and sweet. So let's go ahead and head over to the conversation now and join Chris and Mike. So I'm really glad to be joined by my good friend, Chris. How are you, Chris? I'm doing great. Thank you. So do you still have the same exact title there at Chaos Groups? Oh, uh, so would... far, yes. I'm still co- uh, uh, director of Chaos Labs. Uh, it used to be Chaos Group Labs, but we've changed the company name to now Chaos. Uh, uh, so now I'm just director of Chaos Labs. Because I've got to say, for a lot of people, you have like one of the best jobs going, right? I mean, you get to look at lots of applications when the tech is moving from just sort of inside your company to outside with uh, key partners and stuff. And you're at the sort of cutting edge, dare I say, bleeding edge. And all of that, I guess, is being touched on when you're presenting uh, at uh, the uh, real-time conference, right? In, uh... Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I guess it's it's hard to describe what my job is, but really, it I tend to take a closer look at the industry, much the way you do, uh, Mike. And I try to look at the trends that are going on. And then beyond that, I try to anticipate the directions of where the industry is going and what they what they're doing. So rather than asking customers what do they want? I try to figure out what they will need. And then that's kind of where I tried to to sort of look at what we're doing. And then what I do from there is I basically try to go back and look at what is actually happening within my own company and say, we have some technology that if applied the right way could really create you know, something interesting for our customers. And so most of the time when I go to our customers, and they don't ask me what they want. I tell them, what if we did this? And they would usually say, I didn't know that's possible. But if that is possible, then yes, that would solve my problems. So the the, the, the example of what we did uh, uh, with with, uh, with Voltaku and with the Kiltopia project is exactly one of those exact examples. So let's set the stage for that because I think it's super interesting and I'm really looking forward to hearing your talk. But um, I just want to get people up to speed with where chaos tech is in relationship mm-hmm. to real time, because obviously a lot of people are familiar with, say, Unreal and and stuff going on there. They also, of course, know uh, Chaos and its immense uh, quality sort of threshold of doing high quality ray tracing. Mm-hmm. But as those two merge, it's been a bit of a um, an evolving, sensibly evolving kind of landscape in what's going on there. So for those that are less familiar, just give us the the sort of picture of how Chaos Group's rendering tech fits with a real-time environment, especially with something like Unreal. Sure. For, so first of all, I think that we need to define what I or what I would define as real-time. A lot of people think of real-time as real-time rendering, but I think of real-time as anything that you can interact with and get real-time feedback on, be it visual, be it tactile, be it anything 
where things are happening at the same time that you're doing things. Uh, and that means, you know, a, a lot of different things, including animation, motion capture, all of those things are, are sort of a real-time experience. Um, and uh, the way that I've been sort of uh, experiencing when I've been playing with Unreal is that it is a, a really good at doing real-time experiences. It is very good at recording real-time experience, very good at uh, performing real-time experiences, and it's very good at doing uh, real-time rendering in the sense of, uh, in the way that it's doing it, which is my, mainly through rasterization, um, uh, but also includes some ray tracing. And so uh, what was fascinating with me is that I sort of looked at the rendering process that's going on. Obviously, I'm working for Chaos. I'm very interested in rendering. Uh, and I was thinking about the process and where that landed uh, and how does that fit into the, uh, the landscape of the evolution of rendering as, as time has gone by. And uh, I thought about it in terms of the, the offline rendering. Uh, back when I first started in visual effects, uh, rendering was uh, a slow process, very offline process. Uh, but ray tracing in itself was really slow to the point where it was a dirty word, right? And the people were like, no, we can't ray trace it. It's too expensive, et cetera, et cetera. But eventually hardware got better and software got better. And uh, uh, what happened after a little bit is people started to introduce these pieces of real time just where they needed it. So they needed it for a reflection or they needed it for ambient occlusion or just enough to take the sting out of the rasterized rendering that you were getting before. And those definitely improved quite a bit in terms of the process. Not only did it improve the quality, but it meant that people could fake less things or not have to render shadow maps or not have to do reflection cubes or things of that nature, right? And that really helped both the quality and the, how fast you could get there uh, as, as an artist time, as in terms of, not in terms of rendering time. Um, and so it was kind of interesting. And then what eventually happened around uh, 2006 or so is that a lot of companies just sort of gave up on rasterized rendering and went full ray tracing. And what full ray tracing is a very different experience because when you, the, the, the hybrid approach before, which is where you would have some rasterization and some reflect and some ray tracing on top, you're basically rendering it twice with two different engines and then combining them into one thing. So you, you're, you're, you're creating two solutions, but you're also creating two problems. So uh, what, what happened was, uh, you know, when you said, you know, well, screw it from now on, we'll just render the whole thing uh, as a, as a ray tracing solution. And that includes full global illumination, everything else. Then you start to, uh, basically focus on a full ray tracing solution. And so I started to think about this as I was looking at virtual production because I got very interested in virtual production you know, for a long time. Uh, back in 2013 is when I really started to look at things with Kevin Margo in terms of the ray tracing start of things. Yeah, Construct. Um, Construct yeah, is something Construct, you and I actually, right? we actually spoke about that and did a story on FX Guide. And we did. But, but I, I interrupted you, I'm sorry, keep going. No, sorry, uh, but but that's when I really started to 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 think about like, well, <laughs> I think I remember specifically. It might have been two thousand and six or so, but I was I was working on on Ghost Rider, believe it or not, and uh, and I was uh, and I was still using they were still using RenderMan at the time. It was one of the last shows to use uh, the old RenderMan over at Sony. And I said, I am never rendering a shadow map ever again in my life. <laughs> I sort of made myself that promise, right? And so, 
I, that's when I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just going full ray tracing all the time. So I always look for a solution about that. Um, and so when, when, when rasterization, when, when, when Kevin was looking at this problem with construct and he said, what if we fully ray trace something in real time, which think about this 2013, the fact that we were fully ray tracing in quote unquote real time at, uh, for motion capture is unheard of. Right. And still to this day, you don't really think of it that much. Uh, but I got really fascinated by that. Um, I know if some of the listeners may not know, the, I'll give you a, like a quick history of what that was. But basically, Kevin Margo was looking at doing this short, and he uh, and he was looking at doing real time. Uh, uh, he was looking at getting um, using V-Ray GPU, and uh, at that time, we decided when V-Ray GPU was fast enough that we actually could put a whole bunch of them together and actually. Uh, connected to Motion Builder, which was used for virtual production a great deal in those days. Um, and we got a V-Ray rendering inside of Motion Builder. And suddenly we were seeing things that were fully ray traced. Now, granted, they were noisy and low resolution, but still we were starting to see a glimmer but of that picture back then. <laughs> I'm thinking back then it was like 32 GPUs or something like it was just- We did insane. have one. Yes, 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 that's true. So we did do an experiment. We, we did it with three or four, we did it with four GPUs and it was pretty blurry. It was- it You was, could sort you of know, make out what SD, you're looking at, but- <laughs> SD thing, it was pretty grainy. But then we did one where we did 32 GPUs, which was pretty much half HD and 30 frames a second and, and grainy, but definitely you could see the image. And just to put that in perspective today, this laptop can outperform those 32 GPUs. For those that are listening at home, he's holding up his laptop. Yeah, I mean, it is sure. that is yeah, it is literally just you know uh, less than five pounds. But but so. <laughs> but I wanna, let me just swing back though because I, I, that is great that 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 show and it was incredibly uh, significant at the time. I remember thinking the the thing about it was that it was the only thing stopping this being great is grunt. Do you know what I mean? It was not like the tech wouldn't work. It wasn't like the approach wouldn't work. It wasn't like the customer didn't want it. The only thing that made that not happen is it just wasn't fast enough. And we just knew that that was going to get faster. So yeah, right. but but run the clock back because I, I started this discussion about just fitting in how your render tech fits in a real-time environment with Unreal. And I, for those that want to just patch that before you get too in, in depth, like, yeah. like it, you know, for some people, they think, oh, well, that's a misnomer, right? Like, Chaos produces these really great V-Ray renders and Unreal does stuff in real time. And I guess you could take an Unreal render and then later render it in V-Ray. But it's it's advanced a lot from that kind of position. Just it has. Just a quick pre-say. Sure. So 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 much. I mean, much like what it was doing Construct at this point, as you as as we're all aware, the the world of virtual production has exploded in many ways, not just obviously in the traditional Glendary definition of virtual production, uh, where, you know, or, 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 or as I call it the avatar style virtual production, but there's also LED walls that are now involved, which I call more in-camera in VFX. But, but that technology has really boomed and it's mostly due to the involvement of game engines, especially things like Unreal and, and, and Unity, but uh, Unreal specifically has, has really sort of exploded on the scene in terms of what's possible. So, I sort of thought, I was like, well, hold on a second. To continue this, like if I continue this narrative of what I was doing in Motion Builder, Unreal is the next step. And we already had V-Ray for Unreal sort of in a development phase. Uh, and it was very interesting. Now, I could throw a bunch of GPUs and V-Ray, use V-Ray GPU to do what I need to do. But at the same time, we had developed something called Vantage, uh, which is a very, very fast 
real-time ray tracer. And it is it is based on V-Ray or some, it, it, I won't say it's, it's actually completely different than V-Ray, but it reads V-Ray completely natively. So all of the, everything you do in V-Ray can be read through, through Vantage up to a certain point, like certain features like hair and subsurface scattering are not supported, but, uh, but it's really based on being pure speed. And it was mainly came out right as these new RTX cards were coming up. So they were directly, this renderer was directly built to take advantage of the RT cores on GPUs. Uh, so, a, so just to, to be clear about this, yeah. so if I've got an, an, an NVIDIA GPU card and mm -hmm. I'm running Vantage, it mm -hmm. is basically, from my point of view, not being your point of view, from my point of view, it just yeah. seems to be V-Ray. It's like I can take my V-Ray file and take it into Vantage yep. and it just works. And I don't mm -hmm. mean like if I spend six hours on it, I mean, it actually works. It just works. Which, yeah. yeah, which is extraordinary. But of course, what you're saying <laughs> is under the hood, it's actually not the same engine. It's not just like you had an old version of the software and you wrote a new version of the software that no, was faster. It's completely different. And, it, and in fact, it's very specialized and it's not just, you know, optics, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually built on the DirectX version, uh, build of the drivers. I forgot the exact term of it. Uh, Vlad will remind me tomorrow when I see him, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's built on the a DirectX build for the, for, for ray tracing. And uh, it is highly, highly accelerated. Uh, the thing that's special about Vantage compared to other traditional rasterized renders is that it is pure ray tracing, just as I mentioned before. It is not rasterization with ray tracing on top, which has interesting advantages and also some disadvantages because of the way they work. And actually, um, one, of the, uh, one of the great uh, uh, ways that was described to me was by a guy at NVIDIA who I know is a great guy. His name is Ankit Patel. And he said... Um, in rasterized rendering, pixels are free, meaning resolution doesn't affect the rendering as much as you think it does. But in ray tracing, polygons are free. You can throw as much stuff at it as, as you want, and it doesn't increase the rendering times. So I'm able to render billions and billions of polygons, never have to optimize any geometry, much different than you would have in a rasterized re a solution where you have to optimize so much. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think, what is so interesting about Vantage, right? Is that, I mean, when I'm, and I'm not, I'm not working for chaos, so I'm just saying this, like it's the fact that there's no geometry that has to be optimized. You don't have to dick around with UVs. You don't have yep. to bake lighting. Um, and you don't have to say, oh, look, you can't work with my textures because they'll have used high-res textures. Um, I have to like redo everything. It's like you kind of get it and drag it over. Uh, and effectively, as you say, it's a different engine and it's not identical, but it just feels like, well, that's just what I want, right? I just want to be able to, to right. do that. And so, but we're still using, to get stuff in, we're still using your uh, your previous or an iteration of your previous sort of plugin, right? To get it into. Yes. And so this is the, this is the general process with which, you know, sort of I had this experiment. So let me give you a little idea of this, of this project. The project was really uh, a project I work with this startup who is interested in doing real time uh, uh, was interested in doing virtual production and interested in a startup called uh, Voltaku, uh, which is really cool. And they were doing a proof of concept for one of their IPs called Kiltopia. And Kiltopia is kind of an interesting dystopian world, et cetera, et cetera. And they're going to do a little proof of concept doing an interview with one of their characters named Stiletto. And I said, okay, great. Well, there's one character, one environment. It's a great little test that we can do to try things out. Um, so the way that it works or the way that I've sort of implemented it so far, and, you know, granted, I am 
this is a proof of concept for chaos as well. So I kind of had the hodgepodge things together to make it work. But it was that's really kind sort of, of your job, though, right? Like, yeah, your job it is, is my job. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, I don't mean that in a nasty way. I mean, it's like that's what you you kind of specialize in. It's like how viable is this to do a production y kind of thing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I love the garage band nature of my job. That's definitely yeah. the kind of, yeah. Um, and so, so I basically, what I did is like, okay, so I knew that V-Ray for Unreal, one of the things that V-Ray for Unreal can do is that it can import uh, an entire VR scene file, which is a scene, if you, if you do something in V-Ray, you write out a VR scene file. It's much like a, a RIB file for, for or, or whatever you're doing for translating your data. And then it'll take that whole out. And then you can import that entire VR scene file into Unreal. And what v, the VRF Unreal does is it will apply, it will bring in all the geometry and all the, the hierarchy that you have, but it'll also import all of your lighting and your shading that you have in V-Ray. Um, and it'll keep all of the V-Ray shaders attached to the geometry the way it is, and also have a, 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 a real, uh, sorry, um, uh, an Unreal equivalent shader on top of it. So you can see it in Unreal, an, an equivalent rest, uh, re rendering. So the thing is, once you have that in there, you have both. You have like, okay, I can see it inside of Unreal, but then if I hit render, I can see it in V-Ray with its proper V-Ray shading and lighting. So uh, the nice, the other thing that I was able to do is Vantage has a, a technique called live linking, which is actually anything that can basically uh, see any any of the any of our uh, pl uh, plugins of V-Ray that can uh, use uh, basically our distributed rendering plugin um, can actually take advantage of the live linking, and so I, I basically quote unquote hacked our distributed rendering plugin inside of Unreal to connect it to to Vantage, and what that does is it just takes my entire scene and sends it to uh, to Vantage, and Vantage looks at what it sees and says, oh, you know, and it basically sends just the geometry changes that are camera changes. Um, and at first when we did it, it worked great, but it was slow. The feedback, the, the, the feedback loop between Unreal and Vantage was slow, jittery, very jittery. And so there was a little bit of disappointment. I said, like, can we fix it? And I was like, oh, you know what? It was one of the things our developers, like, we never thought to do this. Well, let's take a deeper look at the code and see if you know, we never planned for this being done this way, and suddenly we got our code to work extremely fast, like really fast. And what I mean fast is, I mean, okay, now granted I have a nice workstation here where I can, I have two A6000s on there, but I was able to, uh, to basically get a, a really big and really, really big environment. And I was able to get a hundred frames a second fully ray traced. <laughs> So just to be clear about this, what, what you're saying is that I've got a ray traced scene, obviously, um, yeah. that's live linked from something like, I don't know, 3D Max or, or Cinema 4D. And as I yeah. make changes, I basically instantly see them in Vantage. Yes. Which is, yeah, really, really helpful. <laughs> yes, because Vantage was then that just working... becomes an extension of your viewport. It's not. Yeah, yeah, because... no, absolutely. Yeah. But was yeah. that working at the beginning of the process of going in to do uh, Killtopia, or was it like you got into Killtopia? It was working. Ran... It was working, but it was mainly working as a here's something cool you can do. But they never really thought of it as like, no, no, I want it as fast and as clean as possible. 
and and that's what we sort of sort of tinkered with on the code and the, on the developers. And thanks to Vlado and uh, more specifically uh, another developer named Rado, uh, who's over there, who was really able to sort of clear up some of that. And there's two two huge speed cre- increases that we did in a very short period thanks to Rado. One was the the, the incredibly fast feedback that we got between Unreal uh, and and uh, and Vantage. Uh, and that's mainly on a static scene, just moving cameras around. But one of the things we had on Construct that was different was Constructs was robots, right? Robots yep. with non-deforming geometry, <laughs> mainly joints, right? So when you have changes in, in nice geometry, you're, you're just, not just hard surfaces, but you're, when you're, you're just translating a joint information, which is much f- smaller sure. than a full skin deformation, right? Got it. With yep. stiletto, she's a full skin deformation that's going on with every frame, right? You have to send an entire new geometry for every frame of her as we're going, which is, and, and have to translate that between two different applications. Uh, so that slowed down the process for sure with, with her, but still was able to get about 25 frames a second, which is pretty good <laughs> yeah i guess i think we should just take a detour right now just to discuss a couple of concepts about virtual production so like i'll come back to this very specifically okay. but i want to just clear up a couple of points so firstly if it was not you and i talking and i was listening i'd be like if we hadn't established that you can run that fast i'd be like everything i'm about to say now is actually like just fine print cop out but it's not fine print cop out but okay my point is when we talk about virtual production, and I'm not talking about LED stages where you need real time, uh, obviously for the camera and you have latency issues and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I just mean just general virtual production, uh, all the things that you want to do. The reality is a lot of it, while it's interactive, there's a huge class of stuff where the final output isn't actually an interactive experience. It's an interactive experience for the creators. It's an interactive experience for the director and the artists and the TDs and whatever. But at some point, you actually just want cracking looking pictures. Even if you've got, I don't know, a game, this is true, right? You have a game for real time play, but then you have a cutscene and you want better render quality. And this is not a new concept, right? So, right. one of the, so the reason I say that is you can do real time. And, and, and you're not, I'm certainly not suggesting for a second that you can't, but you also have this other huge advantage, which is offline mode, where you can afford to go a little higher. And the example I'm going to give is in virtual production, where like if I wanted to do a camera move physically with a camera in a volume and have the director and, and the actors getting immediate feedback, that's all great. But like literally, I don't know, the time it would take to say, okay, hey, let's watch back take four from a minute or two ago, you could have generated a better quality version of that, yes. right? Because yes. there's a big difference between 30 frames a second and still production-friendly, interactive, creatively-friendly work, not come back tomorrow, come back after lunch. Yes. And, and, and so I want to discuss that as well because you get these stunning results from having a pipeline that does both. Yes. And it, it does both. Can you just talk about that? Because like it's uh, I'm glad you brought that up because it's exactly the right thing. So so to me, with the the idea is that like I would like it so that people have the ability to continue to use the same look dev that they did from immediate, you know, concept art through virtual production to editorial and post-production and everything else that they're doing, right? So they can see the same quality or at least close to the same quality as they're getting across the entire board. And so from that virtual production process, 
you know, yes, you have an interactive experience, which is great for the director and the DP as well, because they can actually yep. pick lenses and all these other things, right? So one of the things I did during that 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 that, that experiment is I I Frankenstein myself a virtual camera, right? With with basically just a Vive puck and and a few controllers, and because of the beauty of Unreal, I can take these little controllers and I can connect them to the V-Ray physical camera and change my f-stop, change my my focal length, change focus distance, and it actually operates like a real camera, and that's kind of a beautiful thing, right? Now that certainly has an experience in real time, but then like exactly exactly the the way you said it, let's say you've done you're on virtual you're on a virtual stage and you've done a virtual stuff for, for or, or let's say avatar or whatever. And you say, you know, I really like that take. Like, that's a circle take. Let, let me see that in quote unquote high quality. And then you can take a little more time to do those renders through Vantage uh, because Vantage can, you know, can do a, a bigger 4K render, et cetera, that would be less than real time. The one thing we've added to Vantage specifically for that is actually motion blur. So now you can actually add motion blur and you can add, you know, all the lens effects, et cetera, and it'll have a much more cinematic look. Now, is it going to be the final image that you're going to render in V-Ray? Probably not, but it'll still be significantly better for a great previs. And the advantage is, you can just keep going with the same look there, or at least continue to develop it for the final image all the way through. So it represents an entire pipeline where you're able to take advantage of the entire process from concept, you know, from from concept to full screening room, all with just using the same look dev. That's sort of the idea. Well, yeah, and of course, being an old uh, compositor by nature, mm -hmm. I think this also opens the door because I know that um, on Kiltopia you were also doing AOVs to feed into Nuke. And this is the other thing, right? Like real time doesn't have to negate the compositing team. It, it's not a science experiment where you're trying to prove to someone what you can do. You're trying to creatively tell a story. And if that means you want to take some of this stuff and take it into Nuke because of whatever reason that is, right? Um, you want to be able to do that. And you don't want it to have been a dead end. Oh no, you wanted to do some stuff in Nuke? Yeah, no, this entire pipeline doesn't work for you. Right. So you want to discuss that because you did use it, right, on Killtopia? Yeah, we did. We did. We worked with the, the Foundry guys, which is great. I'm sort of working and still sort of uh, trying to, uh, to to make this figure out how I'm going to get this to work with what I'm doing. But they've actually got a really great bridge that they're doing between Nuke and, and Unreal as well. So they're sort of looking at that process where that real-time experience can actually sort of follow in, in different ways. So so that's, that is something that I think is very important. And, and you're absolutely right. AOVs are an extremely big part of it. So Vantage is now sort of adding a lot of the AOVs that are necessary for proper compositing. And so that's also going to be something that we're going to be looking at as well. So then we can run all these processes through that. Yeah, because clearly, and I guess I should have mentioned this point before the AOVs, but the other thing that, you know, we know about modern ray tracers is that we just get so much out of denoises and mm -hmm. out of uh, AI, AI stuff. And so those things really benefit from that little bit of extra time. And again, we're not talking about like walk away and come back two hours later, but just giving ourselves more than, hey, I have to do this at 30 frames a right. second. If you go from 30 frames a second to one frame a second, it's still pretty darn fast, but you made it 30 times better. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. And, and, and quite frankly, like you just have these sort of these, I think moments where you kind of realize, well, you know, I didn't even kind of notice that we took a couple of minutes to get back around to the desk to look at this. 
And while we were doing the things that we were doing on set, yeah, you can have a much higher quality version and it's not come back after lunch. It's still in the creative process. As long as I have the first version, as long as I can see what I'm doing, it was, I, I think, in construct, a little hard to see what was going on. Um, yeah. The director did a great job in making that short film. I loved it to death, right? But right. but really for a DOP, you could have seen that they would have been struggling. Well, I can't see where the glints are. I can't see where the highlights are or whatever the lighting right. is that was kind of we were, the way we I were, wanted we, it. But we knew it was coming. I mean, this is yeah. 2013, remember? Yeah, this yeah, is absolutely. a long time oh, ago. <laughs> no, no, totally. But what I'm saying yeah. is as long as you don't have those limitations of ka-clunk, ka-clunk that causes the creative to feel frustrated about what they're seeing, Right. then this extra notion of having a production pipeline that doesn't get uh, devalued or, or ignored and is still can be embraced is super powerful because, yeah, there just are things you'd be naive to think that there wasn't. And as I say, it's not a science experiment where you'd say, oh, well, I'm making sure that at no point did we ever drop out of 30 frames a second. It's like, really? I don't care. Like just as long as it looks good, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, and to me, I'm just, you know, what I wanted to do is like, this is pretty cool. What do you guys, like, what what do you think, right? And so now I'm trying to get people to say, you know, I'm not trying to necessarily push this to be uh, the product that I want it to be. I just want to say, this is what I got so far. What do you think you can do? You know, where do you want to go from here? So, but I truly believe that real time, real time is a wonderful thing, but when it comes to rendering, ultimately we're just going to go fully ray traced. And so why not just see where that, what that does now? Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you. Like it's, if you've ever written anything, it's so much easier to edit it than it is to start with a blank piece of paper. And I think one of the really great jobs and like, look, Epic does it, you guys are doing it. Like it's this idea of saying uh, this mid ground that this lab area that you live in, where you kind of go, look, I made this thing. What do you guys think? is so helpful to the industry because everyone can come along and go, oh, well, if you can do that, then what about this? Having seen what you've done with Kiltopia, oh, well, now it kind of maybe like unlocks a project that otherwise wouldn't have got funding because we can now see, you know, that this is going to work or this is a viable path to go right. down. But you kind of need someone to give you something to look at rather than just saying, you know, on paper, we could do this. It's like, well, okay, on paper, you can do anything. <laughs> Well, it's true, you know, and the other thing I want to say is like, listen, even Epic saw this too, right? And they 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 grant, you know, Voltaku got a mega grant <laughs> for doing this project. So, so they all see it and they all are excited about it and they, and they, you know, and, and so this is, this is kind of an exciting process. So I'm, I'm all for it and I'm all for trying to make this all work. So, uh, so I find it very exciting. So now, so looping back, so the whole uh, thing I wanted to hit on is that you're going to be talking about this uh, on Monday the 7th when you're doing the uh, the real-time conference, right? So, yes. so just run us through what you actually, because I mean, we've been talking about it. I, I know what it looks like. It looks great, but people are listening to this. So they can see it if they tune into your uh, your lecture or your talk. Sure, I'm going to basically, you know, give a little bit more history about, you know, why why I think ray tracing is important, what I did in, in, in on construct, etc. Uh, and then I'm going to sort of give a talk real quick about, you know, what we did for 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 Kiltopia and what we did, and then I'll sort of explain what I was able to do. Uh, with the the virtual camera, the VCAM that I built, and how it was important to me. To me, honestly, my goal was to create the best virtual camera possible, which is as close to a physical camera as I can. And the only way that I know to do that 
maybe I'm naive, but maybe the only way to do that is to just fully ray trace it because that way I don't have to worry about hacking anything or doing anything, right? And so I know that when it's ray traced, it's accurate. So that's that's the goal. And so the V-Ray physical camera to me has always been some of this, this unsung thing that is like, oh, it, it actually acts like a real camera. It has real focus. It can do all these different things. And the fact that I sort of built these buttons <laughs> that I can actually make it work that way. And it wasn't just me on a keyboard typing in values. It suddenly became much more exciting to me. So that's sort of the excitement that I see. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so on the, which it's free to join or register the uh, real-time thing. I know that because I asked them. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. They can hear you talk about it. And then I think after your talk uh, where you'll be showing presumably scenes from Kiltopia and stuff or rather the, what do we show? Process, yeah. I'll be showing the yeah. process. I don't, it's and, it's a, a short, short, short presentation. I'll be making it as concise but as important as possible. But I'm also going to be on a panel after that where we'll be talking about some of the future technology and virtual production. Okay, cool. So that's all happening on Monday, the seventh U.S. time, and I think it's like about four thirty Pacific time. It starts, kicks off. It's Something like a whole like session. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can check that out for those guys because uh, yeah. you know we've been involved. Like, there's some great speakers in addition to yourself. I think. Um, uh matt workman's going to be there as well matt's always good fun um uh, always uh, good there's a good bunch of sessions over there but i was really super enthusiastic to see yours not least of which because having seen construct back in the day what i said about it earlier i think applies to this now which is like when we see what you're doing with kiltopia and stuff because you're using ray tracing because you're basically doing it correctly from a light uh transport kind of simulation point of view it's only going to get better as GPUs get better. And we don't expect NVIDIA to start making better GPUs. That's absolutely true. Now, now here's the thing. We all know that all the GPUs keep getting faster and faster with every iteration, but the the ray tracing component of them are accelerating even more compared to the general GPU. And that's the ones we're taking the most advantage of. So between from generation to generation, we're seeing double to triple the, the speed increases in these cards. So I, I don't have a 40, 90, uh, yeah, or or whatever the new Quadro versions will be, uh, or the RTX versions will be, uh, but I'm sure the experience will be extraordinarily fast. So I'm very much looking forward to that. But and this is happening year over year. Like like I said, like it used to take us 32, uh, or it was I think it was four VCAs. So that's eight GPUs per VCA. That was 32 GPUs to get a semi decent or pretty good image. It was half HD. I can get better performances out of this laptop. I know it's you know seven years later compared to what we were doing then, but this laptop is performing better than that right now. And so that is kind of astounding. So to me, combination of software that's taking advantage of this as well as the actual hardware that's doing it is really kind of just going to make things better and better so uh, and and easier for everyone well i would even go a step further it's gpus and the new dedicated uh machine learning modules of sure. those gpus because you guys are like hitting a lot of key technology points in that nvidia rtx to get what you're doing mm -hmm. um Including so, the deep learning stuff for denoising yeah, and exactly and DLSL, yeah, DLSS. Sorry, <laughs> the three. So it just, it just came out. So that's something we're going to definitely be looking into upraising and all that stuff as well. Yeah. Plus, it's really good that you guys are. I mean, I guess it's in your DNA. You kind of have always had to be a fairly good play with others type company. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not sure. like so. Yeah. So we're a lot a of plugin company, just, of course we are. <laughs> well, you know, what I'm saying like, but yeah. 
Like it does work very well with all of these others uh, related uh, things because, yeah, it's not as if this is a very restricted pipeline. Because as we were saying before, like uh, Cinema 4D and 3D Max, like there's a bunch of different um, uh, ways that this all dovetails into the rest of our pipeline at the other end, Nuke and uh, and the other stuff. So this is great. Okay, well, thank you so much for taking time to run through this with us, Chris. We really, really appreciate it, man. It's great. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to see you, Mike, and I look forward to seeing you at RTC. Thanks, man. Well, thanks, Chris, for taking time to chat with us. And once again, if you want to sign up for the Real-Time Conference 2022, it's totally free of charge. It takes place from November 7th to 9th. Head on over to realtime.community. You'll find a link to register for the conference. Well, that's it for this time. For Mike Seymour, I'm John Montgomery. Thanks for listening. Please let us know if you have any suggestions for stories or future podcasts. You can reach us by clicking the Contact Us link at the top of the homepage. This podcast is copyright FX Guide LLC. Broadcast or redistribution is prohibited without the expressed written consent of FX Guide.